Good evening. Thank you for being a part of our services tonight. Had a great morning in church today. Just so thankful for our church family. And looking forward to getting into God's Word at tonight. We, we're, we're excited about this Wednesday night starting our growth group classes. Now, again, these used to meet on Sunday mornings, but this summer we are going to meet on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. We will have, Theo will have the adult Bible study. Kim's going to be having the ladies Bible study, and I'll be able to teach the young couples class. And we just look forward to meeting together as a smaller group and diving into God's Word. So I encourage you, if you were a part of the classes before, come back out, join the class that you were a part of. If you've never joined one of the Bible classes, this is a great time to start, get back into it, as again, we look forward to getting into God's Word. Next Sunday, we will be celebrating communion as we remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that will be at the 9 a.m. service and the 10.30 service. So be a part of that service next Sunday morning. If you have your Bibles there, take it and turn to Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter number 3. Tonight, we are going to look at setting your affection on things above. Thinking about what do you want. Let me throw out a scenario, see if this has happened to any one of you. After, maybe it was after church today, you were leaving, you left the parking lot, and this was the question, what do you want to eat today? Maybe you're going to go to a restaurant. You ever asked somebody that question before? And a lot of times, somebody's response for that question is, that doesn't matter, whatever you want. But have you ever, somebody told you that, and then you began to suggest possible places to go to? Hey, what about... Raising canes, oh, not, not that. What about that great restaurant, McDonald's? Oh, not, not that. And you go through a list of them and you're like, well, wait a minute, if you don't want any of these, what is it that you want? And you determine that they actually did want something in the first place, they were just saying that. Just recently, I was having a conversation with, with one of my boys who had, had made a, a, colored a picture for his teacher. He has two teachers in his class, and so he colored this picture, and, and he said, Dad, who should I give this picture to? And I, I, he just asked, who should I give it to? I said, me. And he said, no, it needs to be one of my teachers. I'm like, okay, well, that, that makes sense. Okay, why, why not I listed one of the names of one of his teachers? It's like, no, they have to have black hair. I'm thinking, well, that leaves only one person left. So he knew all along exactly what he wanted to do. He was just asking the question. You know, sometimes when we talk about it, Theo with a great message this morning on choices. We talk about choices and making the right choice. And to be honest, sometimes we, we already know what choice we want to make. And when we come to the book of Colossians, I love this book of the Bible. Here is what I love about it. It's all about Jesus. In fact, Colossians 1, verse, or Colossians chapter 1 and chapter 2 is all about who Jesus is. And just a great portion of scripture to read through. And when you come to Colossians chapter number 3, that is what is in the mind of the reader here is this is who Jesus is. And because this is who Jesus is, this needs to be our response to that. So in Colossians chapter number 3, we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, 
where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. You see, because of who Jesus is, there is a new desire in our hearts. There is something that we are going to begin seeking because of who Jesus is. Now, there is a prerequisite for this desire. What is the prerequisite? Look at what it says in verse number one. If ye then be risen with Christ. What is that talking about? That's talking about salvation. You know, to have that, that desire in your heart, you have to have been changed. This is not just a natural thing. You see, naturally it comes to all of us to seek what we want, to only be concerned with our needs. That's the natural desire that each and every one of us has. So what we're going to see here goes against that natural desire, and the only way that that can ever be possible in our lives is to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. You know, we talk about this a lot at this church. I think it's because it's such an important decision to know for sure you're on your way to heaven, to know for sure that you have trusted in Jesus Christ and Him alone for your eternal destiny. Do you know that for sure? Because the rest of the message talks about the desire that we're going to, what, what is our goal for our life? That's what the rest of the message is about. But if you do not have Jesus Christ in your heart, if you've never trusted in him, then the rest of the message will be impossible. So the prerequisite, if ye then be risen with Christ, is salvation. So if you are saved, now what are the desires? Your desires, verse number Verse number two says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Seek those things which are above. A new purpose to your life. This is what Paul is talking about here as he writes to the church, church in Colossae there, saying, this is what your purpose should be because of who Jesus is, because of what he's done in your life. Set your affection on him. So what does that mean for us? You know, if you take your Bibles there and turn to Matthew chapter number 6, because I believe Jesus brought it down in his Sermon on the Mount to different desires that people live their lives for. And in Matthew chapter 6, maybe the most familiar verse in that portion of Scripture is, is verse number 33. I'm sure many of you memorize this at some point in your life, but Matthew 6, 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first God. Do you see Matthew 6.33, Colossians 3, set your affection on things above? Both of these talking about a new desire that you have. That you are putting this as the first thing in your life. Now, Matthew 6 is sort of in the middle of Jesus' longest recorded sermon that we have, known as the Sermon on the Mount. Starts in, in Matthew chapter 4, and, and I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 7. 
And right here in the middle, Jesus is going to really challenge those that are listening to him on what is the purpose of your life. That's what he's hitting here. And if you look at Matthew chapter number six, he begins with the challenge of religious prestige. What does he say here? Matthew chapter six, verse number one, he says, take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. What is Jesus talking about here is, is alms is, is giving. They're giving. And he's saying when you give, you are giving not so that everybody knows about it. He used an analogy here which, which sounds as if it was something that was going on at the day. Somebody would be giving, but they would basically want everybody to know what they're doing. Hey, look at me. I'm giving. So he says don't give so that people are impressed with you. Verse number five continues on. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. He's saying, don't pray so that people are impressed with you. Then he jumped down to verse number 16. It says, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So Jesus right here sort of attacks this idea of making themselves look good in the religious sense. Hey, look how spiritual I am. Look at how much I give. You, you hear how, how great of a prayer that was? And listen, I'm, I'm fasting. I'm serving God. Don't, don't you see what I'm doing? What Jesus is going to say in all three of those situations, if you go back to verse number two, the last part of that verse, it says, they have their reward. Verse number five, they have their reward. Verse number 16, they have their reward. You see, if you're just doing it so that people see you, congratulations, once they see you, you have your reward. But you weren't doing it for God. You weren't giving for God. You were giving so that other people would see you. You weren't praying to God. You were praying so that other people would hear you and say, wow, did you hear that prayer? You weren't fasting or serving for God. You were praying so that other people or fasting so that other people would see your service to God. He says, if that's all you want, you have it. They'll see it. You have your reward. But 
it wasn't for him. You see, this idea of setting our affection on things above, oftentimes it can, and I believe it does come into what do we do for God? How do we serve him? How is our relationship with him? But Jesus here is starting out and saying, setting your affection on things above is not just what you outwardly do. Again, remember, God is always about the heart. He knows why we do what we do. And in these three scenarios that Jesus uses, these are very religious men. People that would have been admired. Man, look, look, that guy's always fasting. He's always, always serving God. I wish I could be more like him. Man, did you hear that guy pray? pray? I can't pray like that. Do you see how much he gave? It's incredible. People would have looked at them and been, these guys are doing great things. But when God looked at them, he said, you're not doing it for me. You see, they're doing the right thing, but you notice their motivation. It's not setting their affection on things. It's still at, for them. How do I look? So the first sort of desire that we see here is that idea of religious prestige. And then we see, continuing on in verse number 19, it says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heavens where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Material possessions. See, Jesus is challenging them. Hey, it's not about the possessions that you have. Isn't it easy to live this life for possessions? Now, we don't ever say that, but that's how we can become. Maybe it's a collection we have. Maybe it's the car, the house, whatever it is, and we're, we're willing to sacrifice so much for that. And Jesus says, you're laying up, you're, you're working for something that will be gone. Somebody can take it from you. That car, a thief can steal. That house can, can be destroyed. And if all you're doing is working for that, you can lose all of it. So don't live for religious prestige. Don't live for material possessions. And he continues on in verse number 25 and says this, Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? 
Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? You notice the thing that is mentioned right here? These are important things in life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, your clothes. Now, when we consider these things, they're definitely important, but we, we have, we're coming with our 21st century American mindset where when you think of the clothes that you have, we can go and look in our closet and have a closet full of clothes and still have the idea that we don't have anything to wear. That's not what they're looking at. They don't have that closet full of clothes. We can, can have our pantry and our fridge full. And has this ever happened to you? you what, what's for dinner tonight? And you're talking and, okay, this is our choices. Well, maybe we should go get something else, right? You chose sort of whatever it is that you were going to have. It doesn't sound as good that moment. And so you, they're talking about food that they desperately need. Water. Clothes. These are the essentials, the comforts of life. The comfortable life. And we... We want all of this because it, it makes us more comfortable. We want the bigger house, the, the bigger car. We want the, the nicer clothes because of our comfort. You see, Jesus is going to point out three different things. And this one about comfort, look at what he talks about here. Sort of challenging them. And to me, this is a great passage on worry. Because these are actual concerns. If you don't have any food... That's an actual concern, a big concern. If you don't have clothes, that, that is a big concern. And so Jesus says, look at what happens in nature. Nature doesn't have to worry about that because our Heavenly Father takes care of that. So if our Heavenly Father takes care of nature's issues, won't He take care of us? That's what he's saying as he lays out the birds, as he talks about the, the fields. He's saying God takes care of them. He'll take care of you. Because these are things that are so easy to live our lives for. But Jesus says in verse number 32, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. What's he saying? This is what everybody else is living their lives for. Maybe it's not religious prestige. Maybe it's just prestige in general. Possessions. Their own comfort. So what Jesus is saying here, if you are living your life for that, that's what everybody else is living their lives for. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. And that's where we come to the very next verse, verse 33 which we read in the beginning. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Here's what he says. He says, when you live your life for those things, you know the truth is you never get them. The prestige you have, it never equals true success. The possessions you have, there will always be more. The comfort that you enjoy, there's always something you feel you need to have to be more comfortable but he says when you have the right priority when you set your affection on things above 
then what God will do is take care of what's right here. The right motivation for our life is to seek God, to put Him first, to seek those things which are above. Because again, back in Colossians 3 and verse number 4, it says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. My motivation is one day I will see him face to face. One day I will see those nail-pierced hands. One day I will spend eternity with him in heaven. And you know what I... I believe we'll all reflect on what we lived our lives for. And I think, I know I'll have times of my life where I'm like, why, why was that what I was focusing on? Why wasn't I focused on what was ultimately important? Well, the story is told of a, a man who was arrested and brought before the Byzantine empress and threatened. And she said to him, I will banish you. This man, John, said, you cannot banish me, for this world is my father's house. Okay, then I'll kill you. No, you cannot, for my life is hid with Christ and God. I will take away what you have. No, you cannot, for my treasure is in heaven and my heart is there but I will drive you away from your friends and you will have no one left. No, you cannot, for I have a friend in heaven for whom you cannot separate me. I defy you, for there is nothing you can do to harm me. There's nothing you can do to harm me. This man, his affections were set on things above. Colossians 1, chapters 1 and 2 is all about who Jesus is. Colossians chapter 3 and verses 1 through 4 is all about because of who Jesus is, now it changes the purpose of my life. And the rest of the book of or chapter 3 and chapter 4 is all about what does that practically mean to me? How do I set my affection on things above? So tonight, let me end with this question. What are you living your life for? What is your goal for this summer? What is your goal? I don't think there's anything wrong with setting goals, but what is your ultimate goal? What is the thing you are looking forward to most this summer? And sometimes when I really am honest about that question, it could be a vacation. It could be a new opportunity. But what Paul says in Colossians, the thing that we should be looking forward to the most this summer is that relationship we have with him, deepening that, developing that more, and looking forward to that day when Christ, who is our life, shall appear then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Because if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. What are you seeking 
this summer. Dear God, I thank you for today. I thank you for how good you are to each and every one of us. And God, I pray that you would help each one of us this summer to have the right goals for the summer. To truly, not just say it, but to live it out by setting our affection on the things above. God, we love you and we thank you for everything that you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in tonight, being a part of our services. Encourage you to be here Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, as we continue our growth groups. We look forward to a meeting together, studying God's Word. If there's something we can do for you, please do contact us. If we can pray for you specifically some way, please do let us know. And we will see you Wednesday night.